you ever known somebody famous? Or maybe not famous famous, uh, but maybe you've known somebody that uh, everybody seemed to think was cool and hip and good looking and fun to be with. And so you wanted to be associated with, with that guy or that girl, right? Uh, you, you, you wanted to, to be with them or people to know that you knew them. Maybe you're a name dropper and uh, you hope that everyone knows that you're friends with so-and-so. As my close friend and mentor Billy Graham used to say, never name drop. Uh, <laughs> okay, that's, that was kind of Kind of weak to start out there, sorry. Um, today we are stepping into, starting out, uh, Passion Week. It's been called, quote, the most intense week in the Christian year. We've been celebrating throughout the service, celebrating Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Uh, there were palm branches waving and they were shouting in praise and worship. And Jesus came into Jerusalem on that Sunday and the whole crowd of followers uh, were, were, were there shouting out their allegiance to him and they were praising him. It seemed like everybody wanted to be associated with Jesus on Sunday. I mean, it's cool to be associated with someone people like. Not so cool to be associated with someone people can't stand. Uh, I, I remember a certain day in sixth grade on recess, so a couple years ago, and uh, I, I, for some reason, I stepped into the middle of a fight to stop a class bully from, from uh, beating up a friend. I'm a little fuzzy on the details as to uh, why this fight even even started. I'm sure it was something worth fighting for, like uh, whether the guy was inbounds or out of bounds at two touch football, or so, you know something very important like that. But but out on recess, this big guy's causing problems. I'm not sure why. I was not a big guy, and uh, and and I wanted. To, I stepped in to try to stop it. Instead of getting a good response with some resolution and working through reconciliation, um, didn't quite happen that way. I got a fist in the stomach and across the face. And after it was all over, I discovered that I had skin from the bully's hand stuck in my braces. I escaped that fight by the skin in my teeth. A little bit better there. I'm, get, I'm warming up. That's all right. It didn't feel all that great. Let me just say, it didn't feel all that great to be on the side of someone who is facing opposition. It's always a lot more fun to be on the side of somebody that everybody likes, right? And and so uh, that's what Jesus followers were facing during all of the upheaval and intensity of Passion Week. Palm Sunday was a great celebration, and and they may have been a little shocked, uh, perhaps, that, that the crowds were as positive as they were around Jerusalem. I mean, they knew that people liked Jesus, he'd been performing miracles, but they also knew that there were some people who didn't and, and actually uh, wanted him dead. Uh, Jesus had even told them, and they were still processing what it all meant, but Jesus had even said that he's going to be persecuted and even killed, and uh, they're trying to figure all that out. So they, they, they must have been pleasantly surprised when there was such a groundswell of support on Palm Sunday. But by Thursday, all that had changed. Luke chapter 20 and 21 highlight what Jesus was up to for, uh, for those few days. If you got the, uh, the, the, the email from, uh, from, from the church this past Friday, then, then you've got readings to go through every day starting today through, uh, through Easter as we walk through Passion Week, uh, in, through scripture. And, and, and so Luke 20 and 21 kind of highlight, uh, what Jesus was up to there. Chapter 22, we, we find in Luke's account, uh, that, that there's the Last Supper, um, they even posed for a picture. I don't know. Did we, did we get that? That's, that was from, uh, 
I think that was Bartholomew's Instagram feed, right? They, they put, posted the, okay, they didn't, but anyway, it might have looked something like that. The Last Supper, uh, Thursday evening of Passion Week. There it is. This is, this is Thursday evening. Jesus and his disciples having supper together. Jesus told them that someone would betray him. He knew it was Judas and said as much, and Judas took off into the night, right? Jesus told them that his body would be broken and his blood would be spilled, and they were still kind of processing all of that and what that meant. And, and then they, they, they left the upper room, and they, and they went out to a, a favorite place in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, and after a long prayer session, well, for Jesus, a long prayer session, for the disciples, a decent nap, uh, they, uh, they, everything started turning upside down, right? There were guards. Judas was back. He betrayed Jesus with a kiss. Peter tried to fight back. He cut off a guy's ear. I mean, it was, it was just kind of mayhem out there. And then, then Jesus was arrested and led away. And most of the disciples ran off and were scattered. John went to the trial, Jesus' trial. And it says that Peter, quote, followed at a distance. The Sunday crowd was different than the Thursday crowd. And I think you probably know what that's like. This morning, it's easy to stand and sing and to speak out loud how great God is, how great thou art. And we sing, we sing the songs and, and uh, raise our hands and, and lift our voices loud. And, and, and we talk about and, and sing about how much we love and praise Jesus. But by th- when Thursday comes along, maybe you find yourself in a different crowd and it might not be all that cool to love Jesus. On Thursday, it might cost you. On Sunday, it's pretty comfortable to stand up and use the name of Jesus, but on Thursday, we're tempted to follow at a distance. We've been, we've been in this series uh, through the Sundays of Lent, uh, flying through the gospel of, of Luke, following Jesus. Certainly haven't hit uh, even remotely all the highlights there, but, but we've hit, hit a few things. We've learned uh, that in the wil- when we went out in the wilderness with Jesus, we learned that following Jesus means resisting temptation. We, we learn on the seashore that, that following means forsaking everything else and following him. We, we learn in the middle of a storm on that lake that, uh, that we need to put our faith completely in Jesus. We were also challenged a couple of weeks ago, um, in the, in the huddle with Jesus, so to speak, that, that, that we've got to take up our cross and follow him. Last week, Pastor Raynard encouraged us, uh, to, uh, uh, follow Jesus as our healer. We've gotten glimpses of what it means to, to follow Jesus. And, and so today I want us to see what happens when we follow at a distance. So Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 54. Then seizing him, they led him away. The him is Jesus. They led Jesus away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And, and when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A, a servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't even know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he's a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. 
Not Peter's finest moment, right? Uh, now, up until then, Peter had been the epitome of a, of a fanatic follower of Jesus. He was, he was known for being a little spontaneous or emotional, but, but in a good way, right? I mean, Peter had, had left his fishing business and had followed Jesus. He was, he was in the inner circle, so to speak, with Jesus. Peter, James, and John were, were kind of uh, with Jesus more than the other guys, and, and uh, he really, uh, really discipled them. Uh, G- Peter had been the only one of the 12 to jump out of the boat and go to Jesus, walk on the water. Uh, I mean, sure, he began to sink and all of that, but all the other guys didn't even get out of the boat. He, he, was, he was a fanatic follower. Peter had been the first to confess, as we saw a couple of weeks ago, out loud to everyone, the disciples and everyone, uh, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Peter had been, been one of the ones invited up the mountain to see Jesus transfigured in his glory. And Peter had just even, I mean, just this night, defended Jesus in the garden, cutting off a guy's ear. I mean, uh, Peter had a track record for following Jesus closely, as closely as anybody. And yet when Jesus' popularity hit rock bottom and he was arrested, Peter found himself following at a distance. That's exactly the phrasing that, that Matthew, Mark, and Luke use. They all make sure to include that detail. Peter followed at a distance. The Greek word is from far away. Peter's following, but he's way back. Trying, it's kind of like he's trying to keep up, but, but keeping his distance. It's, it's kind of hard to, to, to follow somebody for any length of time at a distance. I, I think about a uh, picture in my head trying to keep up with someone in your car when they know where they're going and, and uh, you don't know where you're going and, and uh, inevitably they run a yellow light and you kind of, you know, and, and you got a few words for them and, uh, and, and you, you got to try to catch up later and, and figure out did they turn or did they not and all, that, all the things. It's kind of hard to follow someone from a distance. Or, or I, I think about times when I've been like at summer camp or something with, with with, with teenagers and, and the, the, the camp staff takes you out on a hike out in the woods, out in the middle of nowhere, and uh, they expect you to just keep up, and they're just trucking it going along, and, and, uh, and, and you just, uh, it's, it's not too long before you find yourself further and further behind. So what's the problem with following at a distance? I think there's a couple things. First of all, if you're not following closely, I believe that you'll miss out on intimate direction with Jesus. There, there, there's subtle things that you need to know when you're following someone. If you're following a car, you need to know which lane you're supposed to get in because they know that you're going to make a turn uh, in a couple of blocks, and so you got to get in the uh, get in the lane, the right lane first. Or, or, or maybe if there's a last second change and they they need to go somewhere else to do something, you need to stay close to them. So and you'll miss it. There, you'll you'll miss out on that intimate direct. Or, or uh, maybe that uh, that that picture out on the trail. Uh, if you're not following that guide closely, you'll miss the uh, the the rough patch on the tray. Hey, watch out here. There's some, some whatever. And, and you'll miss that direction because, because you, uh, you, you weren't following closely or, or maybe you'll miss the commentary on what's going on in the, in the surroundings, uh, because, um, uh, because they're explaining everything, but you're not close enough to hear what they're saying. You certainly won't get to know your guide very well. He just becomes that guy up front who, uh, who's just kind of leading the way, but, but instead of being a friend who has your best interest at heart. You'll miss out on intimate direction. I think another thing happens when we're not following closely is that, is that there are increased distractions, 
right? Uh, the, the further back you are, the, uh, the more cars get in between the, you and the lead car, making it harder to see, harder to follow. And, and the further back you are, the more options there are, right? You, you're, you're, you're maybe not aware of which fork in the, in the path that they, that, that they took. I, I know options are distractions. And, and I think those things are true as we follow Jesus. Following Jesus at a distance limits the possibility for intimate direction from him. And it increases the probability for distractions that lead you away from him. Following Jesus at a distance is a dangerous place to be. Peter, Peter had been in that crowd on, on Sunday shouting Jesus' praises and, and reveling in the wake of Jesus' popularity. If someone had asked Peter along that road on that Palm Sunday if he was one of Jesus' disciples, uh, there was not a chance on earth that he would have denied it. Yes, of course, I'm with him. That guy up on the, up on the coat, yeah, I'm, I'm with him. We hang out together like a lot. Yes, I'm with him. We are, yes, I mean, I'm, yeah, I mean, Jesus, I know him. Right? Yes. But by Thursday night, Peter had denied not only not being a disciple, but that he had denied even, even knowing Jesus three different times. And, and we've got to wonder why. I think it's some of the same reasons why we find ourselves at times following Jesus at a distance. And I think Peter had these same things. I, I think one thing is that we get confused. Peter was, was certainly confused that night. Jesus was God's son. Peter believed that with all of his heart. He had proclaimed as much. Uh, and yet Jesus was being arrested and it looked like it wasn't going to end well. And, and Peter's no doubt wondering, where is this journey with Jesus leading? Maybe you've wondered that yourself. Maybe, uh, I don't know, has, has, has life following Jesus ever looked bleak or scary? And you can't quite make sense of where God might be and in all of the craziness of your life. Maybe that's been true for you as this season of COVID has, has dragged on or, or, or when you go through pain or difficulty. It's, it's on those days that, that I find it hard to pray, frankly. It's, it's in those times that, that, that I could even wonder, well, where is God? It's, in during, it's during those seasons of, of life that I can find myself following at a distance, because we get confused and we don't know what in the world is going on. Or we get overconfident. That, this was a huge part of Peter's uh, failure, I think. He had bragged just a few hours earlier in that uh, upper room. He, he had bragged that he would never disown Jesus, even to the grave. He was overconfident and not realistic about the pressures that would come, and he was not prepared to face those pressures. Uh, Peter had no idea in the upper room the intensity of the temptation that he would face in the courtyard. Satan was at work through those people around that fire. Jesus had told him, uh, Peter's other name is Simon, and so Jesus said in Luke twenty two thirty one, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. He had warned Peter, but Peter was overconfident. Uh, Jesus had even in, encouraged Peter to watch and pray in the garden, right? And, uh, and uh, he said that so that, so you will not fall into temptation. Now, I've always read that and kind of thought, well, he means fall into temptation. You know, some of the, the, the passages in the gospel say uh, the spirit is willing, the body is weak, and, and we think about the temptation to fall asleep and not pray. And that's kind of where I, but I, I think there's more to it here because um, Jesus is saying, uh, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, Peter. You need to get prepared. You need to spend some time in prayer. You've got you've to get close to, to God so you don't 
fall into temptation. He had the chance to be prepared, but he wasn't prayed up and he was overconfident in his own ability to resist. And I think we get overconfident too. Oh God, I'll go anywhere with you, maybe you'd say. And on Sunday morning, it's hard to, it's hard to visualize the intensity of the temptations that might come on Thursday night. Maybe, maybe you have time, your private prayer time in the morning and everything's great. And you feel so close to God and by the afternoon of that same day, you're like, everything's falling apart. And you didn't see it coming. I don't know, Peter wrote a couple of uh, uh, letters that we have in our New Testament later on. And he wrote these to, uh, to the, the, the early church. And, and I just, I mean, there's no way that he did not have this night in mind when he wrote the words in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. He's, he's warning the, uh, the other believers. He said, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. I mean, if Peter had been self-controlled and alert instead of overconfident and unprepared, he would have been better equipped to face the challenges of that night and would not have been following at a distance. I think sometimes we get overconfident. We don't recognize or realize the the intensity of the temptations that come. We're not prepared. And I think another thing that happens is that we get comfortable with the crowd. Peter was doing his best there around that fire to just kind of blend in and not make waves and and, uh, didn't want to cause any, uh, bring any undue attention to himself. Uh, He just kind of wanted to blend into that, that crowd around the fire. He's looking out for his own well-being. And, and that worked great on Sunday. Uh, he blended in with the crowd, and the crowd was following Jesus, so he's following Jesus. But, but remember, the crowd had changed by Thursday. And how many times do we find ourselves trying to fit in with the crowd instead of following Jesus as close as possible? Fitting in with the crowd will always result in putting distance between you and Jesus. Don't get comfortable with the crowd. Maybe today if we had time, uh, and, and we don't, but uh, if, if I asked you individually, we had a conversation, and, and, and if I were to ask you, are, are you following Jesus? You would probably say, yes, Pastor, yeah, I'm, I'm following Jesus. And then I'd probably have to follow that up with, well, how closely are you following Jesus? Are you following at a distance? Are you, are you missing out on that intimate connection with him so he can direct your steps? Are you distracted at things that might be getting in the way of your relationship with him? Whether you're confused about where Jesus is taking you or, or overconfident about your ability to resist temptation or, or uh, you're, you're getting comfortable with the crowd instead of standing up uh, for your Savior, following at a distance leads very quickly to denial. And that's what happened in Peter's life. He's following at a distance until he wasn't even following anymore. And he denied he even knew Jesus. And he went out and wept bitterly. It makes me wonder if following at a distance is really following at all. Now the good news is that later Jesus restored his relationship with Peter and and, uh, forgave him and and empowered him to lead the church and and they reconciled and restored and and Peter uh, never turned back from that and and Peter learned from that painful night that he never wanted to follow Jesus at a distance again. Passion week is is just that, it's it's passionate. 
Jesus showed his passion for us as he, uh, as he went all the way to the cross. He showed us uh, the extent of his love. And, and if we are really going to follow Jesus, not at a distance, but close up, then it will take investing in a passionate relationship with him. You won't always know where he's taking you. But as you intentionally devote your time and attention to following closely, you'll lessen the distractions and temptations, and you'll find yourself receiving intimate direction from Jesus every step of the way. Father God, as we step into this week leading up to Easter once again this year, Lord, I I pray that we would truly be following you, and, and not at a distance, but as close as we possibly can. Lord, I thank you for the things that you have been teaching us over these weeks and as we have, have walked uh, through parts of, of Jesus' life and ministry. Lord, I pray that we would do all that we can to get as close to you as possible. Lord, I, I pray that you would, uh, you would help us to get rid of distractions or anything that would hinder uh, that relationship with you. I pray that, that we can sense your, uh, your direction, your intimate direction as we follow you closely. I pray, Lord, that that you would guide and direct our steps. And Lord, even this week, as we walk through uh, this Passion Week and we think about and and contemplate all that Jesus has done for us, I pray that that as we gather on Friday evening, we would, would recognize and know the extent you went because of love for us. And as we gather here again on on Sunday morning, that we would just celebrate again afresh and new uh, what it means to uh, to follow you closely because of your great love for us. Lord, I I pray that you would uh, walk with us this week, that you would encourage and challenge us, that you would use us to make a difference in the lives of the people uh, that that we come in contact with. And, And Lord, I just pray that each and every, not just on Easter, but each and every uh, day, each and every week of the year, that we can be following you as close as we possibly can. Lord, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.